I can't believe you compared Jared Goff to Tim Tebow last night. I can't believe you still stupidly are hanging on to this. He's not any good. 400 plus yards, four touchdowns, 8.4 yards per attempt. Yeah, he's terrible. Oh, Jay, my God. Jay, oh, he missed a couple of throws. I need you to cut all this out. He must be terrible. We're just going to have me saying that at the start, and then we're going to the intro, and everyone's just going to assume he said, said that. Please, just move forward. Jade, remember who's got equity. Wait a goddamn minute. I picked the Chiefs in this game? Huh. With the points, I assume. That must have been it. I thought I picked the Rams. That's something you can't remember. Uh, that shows you how much I'm putting into this effort. I mean, the Chiefs should have won. Orlando Scandrick dropped that awful interception that your boy Jared Goff threw at the end of the game. I mean, Patrick Mahomes threw three interceptions. Yeah. Three bad interceptions. He was bad, too. That was his bad. worst game of the season. Yeah. Can you intro, intro this pod so we can actually talk about this? Well, you know what? Uh, we almost had a touchdown in the end zone. I think it was Brandon Cooks. Oh, no, it was Robert Woods. But you know what it wasn't? It was Monday night. It wasn't Toe Tap Tuesday. So it didn't tap those toes in the end zone. This is the hot take route. Uh, interceptable pod drag or whatever we're going to call it. But I'm Zach Harper. That's Keen Fahey. Uh, what else we got? Is there anything? You know, no, my, that's you know, my, you know my favorite part of the introduction? It was Josh Reynolds. Oh, was it Josh Reynolds? Yeah, your crappy seats in the stand. You see, they're not as good as my seats at home watching on TV. Oh, my free seats? Yeah, I knew you were getting them for free, too, by the way. Yeah, you paid more to watch on TV than I paid to get into that game. No, I didn't. I got that free, too. Paid pay for the TV. <laughs> you paid to drive there. Like, well, I didn't drive there. I took the train. $1.75. Wait, there's trains me. in Los Angeles? We got trains in Los Angeles. We got subway. Do yeah. It's just not New York. It's just not New York. I did not yeah, know we that. Got, we got a couple main lines that go through there. I've ne- I've been there like what twice in the last year, and I've never seen a subway there. Oh man, you gotta look underground. <laughs> yeah, that was my problem. I stayed up and I didn't get up to visit the mole people. I guess. Uh, let's go to the game of a lifetime. What a crazy game to be at. Uh, that was the most fun I've had at a sporting event. Really? Uh, Ram- that can't be true. Rams 54, Chiefs 51, the highest scoring game of all time. Right? How drunk were you if this was the funnest, most fun you've had at a sporting event? I didn't have a single drink. Yeah, you're, you're lying. In $20 for a goddamn drink there. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> you're not getting them for free, so obviously. Um, no, that was crazy. And, like, don't do, don't do the thing of, well, it was actually bad defense. And I'd rather watch good defense against good offense and bad defense against great offense. And don't do that. Don't be that guy. It was fun. It was a fun <laughs> sporting event. It was a fun football game. You, you don't have to be the We can just enjoy shit, Internet. We can enjoy it. Don't be Trent Dilfer. That's actually the best uh, advice I can give you in life. Don't be Trent <laughs> Okay? Don't be the guy that said you can't lose games in the NFL and still win. Don't be that guy. We can have fun with a 54-51 offensive fuckery. That's what we can do. What a great game. I mean, I'm not going to say it was bad defense and bad football, but it was oversized college football, and that's kind of what the NFL is becoming, where you've got these bigger bodies doing what happens in college, which is fine for some people. It's not really what I want, but I'm obviously in the minority. The... Like Trent, what Trent Dilver said was like probably accurate, but I don't think it's about the defense being bad. I think the defense just doesn't have a chance anymore. That's just been they've been outlawed. Like there was that early pass interference play where Bobby was giving out to the cornerback for not turning his head while the cornerback's head has been turned and he's still getting flagged. So right. 
I don't think like and the other thing is uh, was is it Daniel Jeremiah of NFL.com today woke up and was talking about the importance of positions and which positions you value more than others and he said oh the quote you need the quarterback you need your pass rushers I think that's about that's time we change that. I don't think pass rushers are as valuable as they used to, used to be, or as they were even a couple of even during the seat when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, they had Michael Bennett, Cliff Avril, and they had all those other guys they had with them. I've completely forgotten anyone's on that team right now. Chris Clemens, uh, and they they had all those pass rushers and they dominated games. The Chiefs have Justin Houston, D Ford, and Chris Jones on their defensive front, and it just doesn't matter because the way the game is, no, it doesn't really matter. But I well, the way the game is, I, but also that Rams that Rams offensive line is yeah. phenomenal. But I'm, I'm not even just talking about this game because that Chiefs defense has been bad all year. And normally when you have guys who can dominate up front, it makes you at least an average defense. But I, I'm not going to say it was a bad game. I'm not going to say it wasn't fun. I, did, I was expecting it to be not fun because I was expecting it to be a game where the defense was just completely irrelevant. And that wasn't the case. The defense, obviously, we got two fumble recoveries for touchdowns, one on either side, one interception for return for a touchdown. And you had, like, there were significant plays made by the defense. It was just... There were moments. It wasn't like consistent resilience put up against the offense. What I will th- say is that was very clearly Patrick Mahomes' worst game of the season, and he still threw for over 400 yards and had six touchdown passes. Six touchdowns! He was <laughs> awful, and he had 400 yards and six touchdowns. Awful for him, I should say. Yeah. He was awful for him. He had six touchdowns. And, like, I I know <laughs> we've kind of played this up, but with Jared Goff, too, he missed a lot of throws as well, and he left a bunch of plays on the field, too. So we're just in this place right now where if you... You know what else he left? You know what else he left? The, the stadium with a W. We're in this place yeah, right now where if you get a, a good offensive line and a smart coordinator and you have just enough receiving talent, this is something we'll talk about with Andrew Luck in a while as well, if you have just enough receiving talent, like a guy like Robert Woods who isn't a star by any means, he's a good, solid NFL receiver, and Brandon Cooks, like Brandon Cooks is better than Robert Woods, but I would say the same about him, he's not, like he's T.Y. Hilton, he's not Odell Beckham, he's not one of these superstar he's pro- players. He's probably, a, he's probably a number two receiver yeah. over number one, right? Like he's not Michael Thomas. Yeah, but it doesn't like matter. Summer. It doesn't matter in that offense because that offense, the way that offense functions. But I'm not going to come on here and say, "Hey, we need to break this game down into major, major levels of detail." But I do think it's a sign of the way the league is changing. I think a lot more games are going to start to look like this one moving forward. That said, like these are what outside of the Saints, are we even considering anyone else at this point of being the three best teams in the league? No, 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 no. How many touch? There were there were twelve touchdowns in this game. Fourteen. Right? 14 touchdowns in this game. And the Bills have scored uh, 13 all season. Yeah, uh, Todd Gurley didn't have any of them. That's yeah, another that's crazy. crazy. 14 touchdowns in this game. Todd Gurley didn't have a single one of those. And, and here's a legitimate thing, and it's something that's been talked about today in reaction to this game. The Chiefs definitely needed to run the ball more often than last night. I know the, Ram, the Rams did too, but it hurt the Chiefs more because... They were killing. They were killing with the run. Yeah, that. And look, Kareem, Kareem Hunt's usually valuable. He needs to be involved in that offense. Kareem Hunt is one of their really... really like, he's overlooked because he's not Tyreek Hill, he's not Travis Kelsey, he's not even Sammy Watkins. But he's a really important player and a really valuable player to them. But the thing is, you put everything on Mahomes and you can point to the 400 yards and six touchdowns and say, yeah, obviously that worked. Not really, because that's where those mistakes came from. He had those two sacks, two lost fumbles, and those were his fault. He needed to step forward. Instead, he stepped backward, went right into Aaron Donald. Donald, like, it's always a difficult thing because with offensive linemen and defensive linemen, you talk about who won and lost. Technically, Donald didn't win those blocks, those matchups. He got pushed around the edge outside the quarterback. The quarterback, if he stood still, Donald doesn't get to him. If the quarterback steps up, Donald is completely out of the play. But because he steps back into him twice and he puts the ball out there for it to be knocked out, those fumbles are kind of, they're, they're huge and they're, they're on the quarterback. And you can avoid that if you play ahead of the down in distance, you run the ball more. From 
Ram's point of view, Goff had that fumble where he just wasn't aware of the guy coming around the edge. Yeah, and that's yes. a really impressive thing from Justin Houston because he beat Andrew Whitworth on that play. And that does not happen very often. Yeah. Um, what was the... the well, oh, I completely forgot what I was going to say. But, <laughs> but that's a good podcast segment there for me, I think. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say, but... Oh, man. There was something, and it came into my head, and it was good, and now it's disappeared and gone. No, it wasn't running. that. Uh, but uh, anyway, I do think they should they should have run the ball more, and I do think the game as a whole was kind of an indication of where we are right now. Yes, the one thing I do want to mention, actually, and I have remembered it just now, Patrick Mahomes had six touchdowns, and I'm not, I'm not coming down here to try and kill Patrick Mahomes, but I do want to contextualize those touchdowns. One of them was that deep shot to Tyreek Hill, where the cornerback the, the Sam Shields just fell down. Any quarterback should make that throw. He's wide open. You're wide open in the pocket. One of them was a screen, that beautifully designed screen from Andy Reid, where he has three guys basically in the... I have never in my life seen a quarterback do a straight drop back and execute three play picks in the same same straight line. So he has the first one to Tyreek Hill running running across in the end round, the second one to Kareem Hunt on the running back, and then the third one to the second end round that's a deeper one. Who has ever done that before? The defense had no idea what to do, and it's why you had three offensive linemen running free, and Kareem Hunt, or, yeah, Kareem Hunt on that play, he didn't actually wait for his blocking to develop and run behind his blockers, he just sprinted past them, because he saw that there was so much space there, he didn't need them to block anyone. So, that was one, that's a, this, two of his touchdowns, and then two more came on pick plays. One was to Travis Kelsey in the, in the red zone, shoot a ball, easy touchdown. Uh, Demetrius Harris took the, took the trailing defender out. And then the other one was actually a pick play where, to Chris Conley where no one needed to be picked off because the defenders ran into each other trying to, trying to match Kareem Hunt's rather over the backfield. So, yeah, Patrick Mahomes was like, that game for most quarterbacks would be fine, would be an okay game for him for the season he's having. That was his worst game of the year and it was kind of blown up by the scheme and the setup. But even 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 then, like... They were still at the end of the game in position to win it against probably the best team in football. So, how much can you how, really criticize? How sure, yeah, how sure were you? Like two minutes left or a minute forty, whatever it was. Three timeouts, like one forty-nine, right? Three timeouts. Like, how sure were you they were going to win this game? And, and actually, I don't want to just come back to it straight away, but they immediately went to straight drop back passing, which it did not feel like they needed to do. You had right. one forty-nine three timeouts. You can run your option plays. You can run the ball. You can work work underneath a little bit more. I think Travis Kelsey had a drop. Uh, geez, you know, you know it's hard to remember which play was on which drive. <laughs> there were so <laughs> many drives. I know Travis Kelsey had a drop on one play. I think that was the third down, though. That was probably a drive beforehand where he worked off the left and came inside Marcus Peters. And I think it was Jason Witten said Marcus Peters had a great break up there, even though Marcus Peters was two yards behind him. And I know he had another play after that immediately. Uh, but there, there were just the whole kind of setup of it. They got into a situation where it was an obvious passing and you kind of take away all of Reed's misdirection stuff. You take away the treader to run and that's kind of when you got to unleash the defensive, the defensive line for the Rams and Marcus Peters made a play. And No, was it a Bucam who got him off, who hit him on that interception? That was kind of the killer one. The, the last interception was yeah, just a Hail Mary. So. Yeah. Just a Hail Mary situation. They didn't have any time left at that point. You actually, if you really wanted to talk about something in the last two minutes, how the Rams approached their drive was kind of a little bit startling. I know they, like, I know what they were trying to do, but it also felt like you... So on, on the final third down, they went to uh, Brandon Cook's screen. Yeah. Okay. But to me, that's not a smart call because, one, you're taking the risk of having an incompletion of just Brandon Cook's dropping the ball. That's going to stop the clock. And you're not actually getting the benefit of having the chance of getting a first down with that risk you're taking on. So either you drop back with Goff and you let him throw the ball and try and actually get the first down, or you just run the ball with Gurley. I, I don't understand why you would do something that... 
has a very low chance of getting a first down, but also comes with the risk of that incompletion. I also think, too, like, I know that they had stifled Gurley most of that game. Like, he didn't really have a whole lot going. That happens with him, I would still... I would still give the ball to Todd Gurley three straight times on running plays and say, I think he can get us a first down, and if he doesn't, at least they don't have their timeouts. And the thing with him, like, he will get... You can contain Gurley at times, but then he's just going to break one. Like, and that's... If you give him three carries, yeah, he might not get the first down, but the chances of him going for one yard, going for two yards, and then going for 40 yards is right there. It's not... It's not like you're giving the ball to, like, Andrew Williams. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew Williams is the most random... How did that name come into Andrew Williams played for the Giants... (laughs) Shit on Andrew Williams for Andrew Williams was a uh, played for the Giants and he literally like he couldn't move and they kept giving him the ball. This is a McAdoo era. Here's one. Here's one. Problem. You're not giving the ball to Trent Richardson. Yeah, that's true. That's probably a better reference for people who actually know reasonably. <laughs> like hey, Trent and oh. Chuck Pagano, man. Pagano committed to that guy and ran him into walls over and over and over again. Man, oh, I Colts, was. Man. Certain that Trent Richardson was going to be awesome in the NFL. I was certain, <laughs> absolutely convinced. You, you weren't alone on that one. There was a. I think I, I didn't really do the draft at the time, as far as I can remember. It might have. I probably got him wrong too. But the there was one guy in like all of draft Twitter who was like pointing out the whole way through the draft was like, look, this guy never runs through tight holes, and when he's asked, he's awful, and that's going to happen in the NFL. He's going to be awful, and he got run out of draft Twitter. Like they literally like ruined him. To the point that he doesn't cover football at all after that. And what? He should be coming back. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was thinking to myself. He's like he's like working some desk job somewhere, and like he's just sat there going, and people are pulling up his old tweets, going, "Hmm, this guy might have had a point." Yeah. <laughs> like this generational running back prospect that everyone thinks is a god, and he's yeah. like, "Nah, I don't think he's good." And everyone, because the way football Twitter is, they're just assholes and went straight for him. Speaking of uh, players who aren't good, Kirk Cousins lost to the Chicago Bears, uh, twenty-five to twenty. You want to talk about this uh, this Bears Vikings game, which was ugly, but I think fun. Yeah. Uh, by the way, that Monday Night Football game was fun. It was it was a lot of fun. So let's, okay. I know we have to analyze it a little bit and just so you edit that out and and, <laughs> and talking about specific <laughs> plays and things that happened, which is kind of difficult in a game that had so many big plays. But it is. It was overall. It was a, a really fun I, thing. I just that don't touchdown. feel like it would be fun if we had it every single week, though. That, that touchdown to Gerald Everett uh, to to win the game, essentially. I remember, like, because he, he was coming our way. I remember going, holy shit, he scored. Oh, my God, he stayed in. And they'd look at the clock going, oh, no, this is terrible. <laughs> they left way too much time on the clock. I immediately cut off our pod from last week where we talked about who good Gerald Everett was. I saw to... that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Higby was good, too. Higby had, like, yeah. you know, 60 yards. Yeah, so let's pat ourselves on the back for a while. Um, yeah. <laughs> the Bears-Vikings game was sloppy and messy and two quarterbacks who didn't play well. Look, I I know I'm kind mm-hmm. of listed as this number one Kirk Cousins hater and guy who's just, like, not, not objective with him. But the thing to me is he... I don't believe in winners and losers in sports in general. I don't believe in the way it's portrayed and the way it's set up that, oh, you've got this quarterback who's a winner. And Tebow's the best example of that. He just wins game. That's all, all he does. I do believe that if you want to talk to me about a guy who's a winner and a loser in terms of what types of plays they make, in terms of making the right decisions, in terms of the consistency, and in terms of making the, the right decision at the right time. And I just don't feel like there is a way you can actually win with that guy, I don't. Well, maybe you can win with him if your team around him is that good. You you can get to the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely right. It, but it, like, and, and Vikings fans are seeing this right now, where he just makes all these plays that are just like they don't necessarily show up in the in the in the box score as awful plays, 
but he makes all these plays where it's just the wrong decision at the wrong time. It's balls getting tipped. It's him throwing the ball too low. It's him locking onto a receiver when he needs to come off that receiver. It's him not being able to move in the pocket. It's him fumbling the ball even though he didn't have a fumble in this game. It's all of these little things that they all they all come together. And when you sit at the end of the year and you say he's got 4,000 yards and 25 touchdowns, and then you go back through the actual games and say, yeah, he got these numbers. He's doing exactly what the defense wants him to do. And he's not actually helping you win. And it feels like the Vikings have just paid $26 million for a quarterback who made it harder for them to win games. Which is a ridiculous thing to say, but it's true. Yeah, that's that's my big takeaway from, from Cousins and watching him is what you said. Like, he doesn't really know how to move in the pocket, right? Like, if he can just make quick decisions, if he has a clean pocket, every, and obviously, like, all right, most NFL quarterbacks, you give them a clean pocket, they're going to be okay, right? Yeah, as soon off. as that is. As soon as that thing, yeah, he was okay with 400 yards, four touchdowns, and a win. Hey, uh, Patrick Mahomes threw for over 400 yards, too, and you were like, he's awful, so get out of here. Three picks. Three yeah. picks. Didn't Goff two. have two? Goff had zero picks in that yeah, game. He had a fumble. He had a fumble. Two fumbles. Anyway, Kirk Cousins, as soon as that pocket starts collapsing, I just, like, it seems like he's like, oh, shit, I don't know where to go. Like, he, does, like, he, doesn't, he doesn't shift to, he doesn't shift side to side, like, he doesn't shift into, like, whatever area, like, like he can he can take off every once in a while and go for a little run, but for the most part, like it just he doesn't seem comfortable, which I get. But I wouldn't give a guy who doesn't look comfortable in a in a collapsing pocket twenty six million dollars. Yeah, and you you can get away with doing that. Like Brady, like Brady's better mover than him. But just taking Brady as an example, Brady can stand still and be a good quarterback because he knows how to get rid of the ball. Cousins can hit these spells where he gets rid of the ball smartly and he does it he does it quickly and he breaks on the defense. But you always know the awful interceptions coming. You always yeah. know the missed opportunity is coming. So if you are going to be that guy who doesn't move at all in the pocket, you have to be at a certain level with your acumen where you can just pick apart the defense over and over and over and over and over again. And like Drew Brees could do that. Uh, some of the better quarterbacks, like, the very best quarterbacks in the league can do that. He can't. And it's never been consistent enough with that for you to say, I'm going to invest this much money in him. I'm going to make him our starter and we're going to be in a better team. The Vikings, like, honestly, I... I my argument in the offseason was I think the Vikings don't get better than Case Keenum with this investment. At this point, I think my argument is the Vikings actually got worse than Case Keenum from this investment. And I'm still at the point where Teddy Bridgewater's medical might have been awful. But why wouldn't you just give him $3 million to be your third string quarterback or your second string quarterback? And if this kind of thing happens, you can throw him in. I, I still don't understand how they just let him walk out the door. I understand the medical might be awful, but he's, still, he, he's played. It's not like he's gone to the Jets and fallen apart as soon as he stepped on the, on the field. So I don't think it could have been that bad. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I do wonder if they – I mean, could they even make noise? Like, it just feels like their skill guys have to make so many plays. The, the only amazing to... thing is, like, Trubisky had another bad game. And Trubisky, yeah. Trubisky's making terrible decisions, and you now he's got a hurt shoulder as well, apparently. And he'd actually played pretty well in the couple of games leading up to that. But Trubisky played a bad game, and they still lost. And they lost to a team that is what we all kind of think the Vikings have been, where you've got Khalil Mack, you've got Leonard Floyd, you've got Lakeem Hicks, you've all these dominant guys on the defensive side, and the offense just has to do enough to get by. So if you're looking at the Vikings and you're trying to talk yourself into them coming back in the NFC North, they're basically a worse version of the, of the Bears. So yeah. how, how can you argue that? And then, like, right. the Packers are probably out of it by now because of that stupid loss they had last week. But they've got Aaron Rodgers still. So you've still got reasons to be optimistic with the Packers. With this Vikings team, it feels like you've just... You've taken a team that had this potential to grow and become into this really good team, and you signed a quarterback that's going to cap them off and curtail everything that they do. And Mike Zimmer, I thought it was a brilliant quote this week. He went to his players and asked them if, if he had lost the locker room and if, it, if his messages was not resonating anymore, which... 
is an incredible amount of self-awareness for an NFL coach because they normally blame everyone except for themselves and when, right. when things go wrong. So hopefully, and he also did not praise Keenum all that much last year, so hopefully Zimmer can kind of look at him and go, look, we've invested in this guy, but we've made a mistake. Let's cut our losses and move on the offseason or whatever. And they would find someone to trade for him because people want that quarterback and they will fall for that quarterback. Um, This is probably kind of a hacky question, but I, I'm, <laughs> really, I'm very interested in it. I, I ask good questions. I don't ask these hacky questions. Here's a real hacky question. If you could have, if you could build your defense around one defender, would it be Aaron Donald or would it be Khalil Mack? The only reason I hate these questions, um, because as soon as you say one or the other, you feel like you're disrespecting the other. Um, yeah, and I, but I don't think you have to do that. I think it's like they're two, like two very dominant players in. I would say actually a similar, a similar style of dominance even though they're very different players if that makes sense yeah so here's the the simple explanation and it's probably the one that pretty much any kind of smart football person would do smart football people plus me uh the aaron donald works from the interior so from the interior you can blow up running plays more easily you it's harder for the offense to double team you and because you don't just have that running back or tight end chipping them and then moving out and it's harder for the quarterback to adjust to interior pressure. So if you have ever watched, like if you watch quarterbacks long enough in detail and kind of zone in on them specifically, you'll notice that they can step up in the pocket when the edge rusher comes. They can drop back out of the pocket when the edge rusher comes if he crashes inside. When it comes up the middle, they don't have anywhere to escape because they either have to go out to the flat or they have to turn and go to the other flat where they have to turn their eyes and take their eyes away from the defense. You have to be kind of more athletic to do that. And it also means... When you escape that way, you're shutting down half of the field for the coverage. So, very, very simply, Aaron Donald is more valuable than Khalil Mack. And the only reason he's more valuable than Khalil Mack is because he wears lines up. Khalil Mack is dominant in every possible fashion you could ask an outside linebacker to be. He's, I mean, probably the best since James Harrison, maybe. And maybe yeah. he's better than James Harrison. And, like, actually, the funny thing about this is Von Miller's right there, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Von Miller's ridiculous, right? Like, like any, that's the funny thing. I don't think you can go wrong. I think it's just a preference of how you want to build that defense. Yeah, like, but the, I just I just think it's kind of a fascinating, like, because they are so dominant, right? Like, Aaron Donald, I'm shocked when he doesn't make a play, like, he doesn't, like, destroy a quarterback in a game. Like, someone, it's kind of uh, that point. And then Cleo, Cleo Mack is just, he's like a, like a highlight reel. He's just a, like, he is. He's just a constant highlight. Like he's shoving people, he's shoving 350 pound men to the ground with just his off arm. Like he's just like, get out of here, giant. Like I don't need you here anymore. Like he's incredible. <laughs> get out of here, giant. I like the idea of him <laughs> saying that as he's coming off the edge. Um, no, the other thing is like Justin Houston's phenomenal too. And no one yeah, notices he's that really good. because he's playing on that Chiefs defense and he hasn't had the greatest of years this year. But there are a bunch of these defensive players who are just outrageously talented. And then you look at the scoreboard and they've given up 40 points and you just don't know what's going on. <laughs> like Marcus Peters, Marcus Peters, uh, Ian Morton was on this podcast at the start of the year and I wanted him on to talk about charting cornerbacks. And he charts cornerbacks the same way to quarterbacks where he's looking at every single play and doing it in the all 22 so even when the ball isn't thrown to him he's looking at where your positioning was and he said to me straight up was like because i thought mark speeders was going to be bad i thought he was a bad addition because i thought he was a, a risk reward cornerback not not to reason. I, I love watching him play love, love love the player but i didn't think he was one of these superstar cornerbacks and ian said to me straight away no he was the best cornerback in the league last year coverage wise even take out the interceptions coverage wise he was phenomenal and this year he's been like pretty much awful smoked <laughs> like Travis because, Kelsey well, ruined I mean, him last night yeah he really needs to lead back because it simplifies everything that he can do 
And, and then he can do more risk-reward stuff because Tlaib at least has an area. And, he, and Tlaib's not what he was, but it's just slotting guys into better roles that are more conducive to their Yeah, their and the guys, and the guys set, behind right? Peters, like Sam Shields and was it Hazel Hill. Was that his name? I, I forgot his name. They, Troy, Troy Hill. Yeah, yeah Troy Hill. They, there's too many hills in the league right now. Um, Troy the, Hill is awful. <laughs> He's so bad at his job. But this is the thing. Like That's why I'm at the point now and... Uh, Daniel Jeremiah was talking about this listing defensive players up as priorities I just don't think any defensive player can be a priority anymore because they're all limited by yeah. these rules to the point that you can't be like Darrell Rivas 10 years ago played for the Jets and he shut down a receiver and we say this like they've said this with Patrick Peterson they've said this with a bunch of other cornerbacks since and before him but Darrell Rivas literally took that number one out and you didn't have to worry about anything and you can adjust all your coverages off him and had a massive impact on your whole defence it's why the Jets were dominant against the run, and it's why they didn't need a great pass rush. But now, if you had Darrell Rivas, it'd be like, eh, he's going to get beat. Because that's the way the rules are. So it's just very hard to... Like, right now, I think what you want from defensive players is the highlight plays. You want the interceptions, you want the forced fumbles, you want the sacks. Outside of that, consistency, snap-to-snap impact, you just can't, you can't rely on it. All right, speaking of uh, great defense, Saints-Eagles... <laughs> Saints uh, Saints just I mean Mike it's I don't think here's what I'll say I don't think the Saints should be allowed to play at home anymore I think they should have to play 16 road games in a season because it's just bullshit it is bullshit watching them play at home That's, they are way too good that is that inner Rams fan coming out in you right now no it's not a Rams like I don't I don't want to see forty eight to seven games anymore. I want the only chance they have of playing close games is that they have to play everything on the road. It is a weird thing with them where like ever since John Payton and Drew Brees have been there, if they're at home and it's a primetime game or it's a big audience game like that one was, even though it wasn't necessarily primetime, they just dominate. I don't know how, I don't know why. They it's just destroy. Like just destroy. And it's it's especially when Drew Brees is going against the quarterback who's being celebrated, it's just like I'm insulted by people not realizing that I'm the best guy around here and he just dominates. The that game, uh, a couple of people said it to me, uh and a couple I saw a couple of people said it on Twitter that it was an all time game for Drew Brees. And I don't even think it was top ten for Drew Brees. Drew Brees uh, like Drew Brees is a level of quarterback that has so many good games that that's a really high standard. But it was a weird game for Drew Brees because he missed a lot of plays he should make, normally makes, normally makes as part of his routine. And then he also had these highlight plays where he was just making phenomenal throw after phenomenal throw. So it was like the opposite of what Drew Brees has always been. Because Drew Brees has always been model of efficiency, snap to snap, game to game. You're get, you know what you're getting, everything's perfect. In this game, he was kind of like, I guess you would say him closer to Cam Newton type of passer, where he was missing throws he should make, but he was also making throws that you don't expect anyone to make. The thing that really stood out from this game, two things, was... The Eagles game plan on defense, they just double-teamed Michael Thomas all day. Something that makes sense in theory, because he's Michael Thomas and they throw to him a lot, but it doesn't make sense against a guy who's as smart as Drew Brees and against a guy who's as smart as Sean Payton with offensive weapons like Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. I know they forced the water strike once into Austin Carr, and that actually worked in favor of the Saints because those guys had good games and played well, and that's not always going to happen. So in, in theory, that might work, but I don't think you can afford to double-team Michael Thomas even though he has that much of a usage percentage. And they also had these defensive backs out there who weren't on the roster a month ago like they have literally lost all of their cornerbacks and it really showed there was one play where Breeze threw the ball down the left sideline to Michael Thomas and it probably would have been intercepted against a normal NFL cornerback but the guy turned around jumped in the air and floated to the right as the ball was coming past his left shoulder and it was just like infuriating because he very clearly should have intercepted that ball and there was another one where I think it was Trey Smith was working a crossing route 
the defensive back was trailing on his back shoulder. Breeze's pass floated inside, didn't lead the receiver outside, and the cornerback was in a perfect position to just break on the ball, catch it, and run back to, run back an interception. He just kind of stood there and didn't really know what to do and waited, and the receiver reached back, grabbed it in front of him, and had the completion. So it's a bit of a weird game, but obviously the Eagles season is over, and the Saints look like they're on schedule to be have a meeting with one of those Chiefs or Rams in the Super Bowl. Well, not in the Super Bowl, the Rams, but in the championship game, maybe. Uh, yeah, Saints. Here's my analysis, and I this uh, this is the best I can offer up. The Saints have a good offense. I mean, it's a hot take. Hot take route. Uh, you've got a note here. Andrew Luck is outrageous. Yeah, like do you realize that Andrew Luck has thrown at least three touchdowns in his last seven games. Like, and he's okay. thrown at least four touchdowns in three of those games. Did we just like not realize that Andrew Luck has just been tearing up the league for the last two months and no one notices or cares to talk about it? He's in this. Nobody cares. They really don't. He, 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 he beat Blaine Gabbert. Like, that doesn't count. No. God, here we go. Like, the, the Frank Reich, I wrote about this on the Patreon on Monday, and the, the Frank Reich offense is getting all the credit, but all the Frank Reich offense is doing is taking away all the crap that Pagano put on, his, on him. And, like, so. You mentioned it earlier, Trent Richardson, Pagano used to just run the ball between the tackles up the middle over and over and over again. It never worked. They never built in passing options. They never spread the field. Now they've done that. Luck's acumen is off the charts and he's being allowed to show it off. He's breaking down these coverages, getting the ball out so quickly. He's he's throwing receivers open. That touchdown pass to T.Y. Hilton, not the big deep one, the 60-yard one. The, I think it was probably 20 yards or so, 18, 19 yards, something like that. Where he looks on his left, first receiver's double covered, second receiver's covered in a short crossing route, third receiver's Eric Ebron, Eric Ebron, he slips in his route up the seam, and then he comes back to T.Y. Hilton, who's extended his route, and he's running it out the sideline. Hilton's covered, Luck recognises this, and throws just a perfect back shoulder throw while on the move. Hilton catches it completely away from the defensive back, turns, fends off the defender, tries to tackle him, and gets into the end zone. And that was one of the great plays he had in that game. He had seven or eight phenomenal plays. It was just showing off his beautiful timing, beautiful understanding of what was going on, how to maximise yards after the catch. And he's just, he's back. He's, he's exactly what you wanted from the generational talent he was supposed to be coming out of college. I don't know. Lamar Jackson's debut. Yeah, let's do this one quickly because we've already gone quite long on these. Uh, Jackson, did not, we did not really learn anything from him because he basically wasn't the quarterback in this game. And that's a kind of he weird... Was a, he was, a, he was a, just an option quarterback, yeah. that's all, which is fine. But it was like, yeah, he, he ran the ball 27 times. Like, oh my God. But Marvin Lewis... And he go- was really good. He was really good running the ball. Yes. But Marvin Lewis can fuck off, though, because he came out afterwards saying, oh, that's not going to work longevity, or that's not going to work. You played the worst possible game man, against this guy. He shredded you. There was an early play where it was a design quarterback run where they played two mans, so and that means there's no one in the middle of the field. All the under the coverage is turned and looking at the receivers, the two deep safeties, the two deep impact the quarterback. And he ran for, like, 30 yards with ease. And Marvin Lewis comes out after the game and is like, oh, yeah, that's not going to work over the long time. It works against you every game you play because you don't know how to stop it and you don't change your defense. And Vontaze Barfake looks like he is completely quitting this team. There was a, a couple of plays in it where he was just standing and lollygagging around and just he had an opportunity to break on the running back and shoot through a gap. And he just stood back in his heels and let the running back go right past him. This was a game that the Bengals should never have lost. But they did because they couldn't force the quarterback to throw the ball because of Marvin Lewis's awful game plan and their, and their linebackers who just are awful. Thirsty Thursday night football. Chicago Bears at Thursday the Detroit night. Lions. 
The Bears. Thursday morning. Oh, oh, oh it's Thanksgiving, right? You oh, should know this, not me. I don't. It doesn't feel like Thanksgiving week to me. I'm not going home, so I, I'm staying here and doing radio. So it doesn't feel like Thanksgiving <laughs> to me. You're doing less of Thanksgiving than I am. So, <laughs> um, all right. So Thursday, the early game: Chicago Bears at Detroit Lions. Bears are four and a half point favorites. I mean, what? Come on. Really? This bear, this Bears team is going to destroy them, right? Nope. I get. I guess Stafford could have a game. The Bears were not meant to play on Sunday night. They got flexed to Sunday night. Mitch Trubisky finishes that game by getting hit in the shoulder. He's got a shoulder injury. So you spend Monday recovering. You don't know how Trubisky's shoulder really is. You'll find out when he throws the ball on Tuesday in practice. You throw the ball on Tuesday in practice, that's fine. Wednesday you travel. Now you're playing a football game Thursday morning. Uh, How is this even acceptable? You played a game Sunday night, now you're playing Thursday morning, and you're playing on the road? How is this Bears team going to compete in this game? I, If the Lions don't win this game, well, I'll be amazed. Well, I mean, this, it's a very short travel between Detroit and Chicago. It doesn't matter. you still got to get in the fucking plane. This is the Lions we're talking about, right? Yes, this is the Lions I bet against with the Panthers last week. It cost me money, so... I'm, I'm picking the Lions, and I, I honestly, I, I don't know they're not at least favored. Well, hopefully you win a game this week and picks can pick them because you're over for the last three weeks. Uh, I yeah, give me the Bears in this game. I think the Bears. I just think the Bears defense is gonna be too good. I know the the Lions can run the ball, carry on Johnson. Like I, Stafford is a good enough quarterback. I just think the Bears will make too many plays defensively. Washington football team with a new quarterback at the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys are seven and a half point favorites. Who is the backup in Washington? Can we call them the Washington Sanchezes now instead of using their nickname? Did you not Wait, know that Mark Sanchez, Sanchez is back? No! What? Yeah, it's like... Yes! The, it's the six-year anniversary of the Buck Fumble, too, exactly to the day, because that happened in Thanksgiving. Oh, Sanchez. I thought Colt McCoy was their no, guy. No, he is. He's the starter. Sanchez was signed oh. to be the backup. Oh, I would never root for an injury. But <laughs> if Colt McCoy, like, pulled a hamstring, like, nothing serious, but just something where he can't really play... I, I, I wouldn't hate like, that. I feel like anyone in their lives who've ever has ever said I will never root for an injury. What they really say is I'll never root for an injury unless it works to what I want, which is exactly what you just did. All right, well, Colt McCoy is pretty Colt funny McCoy's, on his own. If Colt McCoy is starting this game, I will lay the points with the Cowboys. If Sanchez comes into this game, I will. I will take the points with Washington. Wait, what? So are, you a, are you a Sanchez guy? Are you a Sanchez believer? Mark Sanchez is going to be so good in Washington. You don't even know. Is he bringing Thomas Jones with him? Maybe. We don't know. He does have Adrian Peterson, so that's pretty much Thomas Jones. Uh, I'll lay the points to the Cowboys, but my God. I'll take the Cowboys. I hate watching the Cowboys at this point. I just don't like watching them play football. I, I don't know what I, I don't even I, for whatever reason I don't even get joy watching like Ezekiel Elliott and I and he's really good but. I, I just I don't know what it is about this this team. I just don't like even when they're playing well. I don't enjoy watching them. It's the scheme. The play calling is bland as hell. Uh, you know, yeah. But we should probably note that uh, I gave up on the Cowboys and said I'm not picking them again at all. Like two weeks ago, and all they've done is won two games, and now they're looking at going to win the division since then. So I'm going to pick the Cowboys, and they're probably going to lose because I picked the Cowboys. Okay. Uh, Thursday night, Atlanta Falcons at the New Orleans Saints. Saints are thirteen and a half point favorites. Uh, where are the Saints playing this game? At home. Okay, so they're going to win. Lay the points. It, it could be 30 points. I would lay the points because they're at home. I'm saying the same, but the last time I said this, the Bills beat the Vikings, so you could be wrong. 
All right, Sunday. Oh, God. Jacksonville at Buffalo. Jacksonville's a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. What an awful game. Jalen Ramsey called Josh Allen trash before the start of the season, and Josh Allen's just come back. Which, like, people are kind of saying, oh, he shouldn't have said that, no, because Jalen Ramsey's been struggling this year, because the Jaguars have struggled more than Jalen Ramsey has. But uh, he's still right. Like, people have watched Josh Allen. No, <laughs> he was trash when he played, and now he's coming back off of injury. Bad. He's coming back off of injuries, so yeah. I assume he's going to be trash again. So I'm going to take the Jaguars but just because of the defense will work. This time it's personal. I mean, term- oh, wait, is that Terminator 2? What, what is that? Well, it's not the, actually, has that tagline ever actually been used in a sequel? I feel like it's one of those ones we use and call out and like use it as a trope, oh, no. but no one's ever actually used it. This time it's personal. You're going to get like 20 different uh, ones that aren't real. I know. Oh! <laughs> This is what it's from. This is the best. It is a tagline for the movie Jaws the Revenge. <laughs> I remember this because I remember this because Dave Schilling and I did a podcast about the Meg. He did a pilot podcast for some company. They wanted to see like could he do this movie podcast. And so he picked the Meg and I was his, I was one of the guests. And so we went over our best, like our favorite shark moments or shark movie moments. And my number one was this movie poster, Jaws the Revenge, where it says on the poster, this time it's personal. Like this shark has a memory of people blowing up another shark he knows. And he's like, nope, revenge time, baby. My oh my, my favorite God. Jaws is uh, Peter Griffin's Big Jaws, where Jaws and the guys in the boat have to team up and fight Big Jaws because he's Big Jaws. And then the other sequel was Bigger Jaws, where Big Jaws, Jaws, and the guys in the boat have to team up and fight Bigger Jaws, which I feel like that film should have got made instead of Sharknado. Oh, oh, Sharknado 1 and 2 are kind of amazing. After that, it really falls off a cliff. Uh, Wait, I'll what's what's the new one? It's like Clown Nado is the new one. There's like the clowns or something. There's a Clown Nado? Oh, there's something like that happening. Google that. Cleveland Browns at the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals are three and a half point favorites at home. Boy. Right. This like, is just, this is every Bengals game at this point. You can just say, why? Like Nick Chubb. Who cares? Even Remember if, all that Andy Dalton praise you were heaping on in the first three weeks? You were all about that redhead. All about, oh, my Irish brother, Andy Dalton. I love him so much. <laughs> my Irish brother. I don't think I have a single <laughs> member of my family who's a redhead. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I was in on the offense as a whole, left sold the quarterback. But uh, I think Nick Chubb will be able to run against those linebackers pretty easily. And... Man, we're really at a point where it feels insulting that the Browns aren't favored over the Bengals. I'm taking the Browns. I'll take the Browns as well. Oakland Raiders at the Baltimore Ravens. Ha! Ravens are... Hold on. Ravens are ten and a half point favorites. Are you like... Ten and a half? Did you... The Ravens? I know they're going against the Raiders here, but what? Did you hear Scott Hansen at the end of Red Zone last week where he was like, these Oakland Raiders, 2-10, and 10, whatever the record is, no one believes in them, and they're still fighting, and they got the victory. And I'm like, they're playing the Cardinals. The Cardinals are like 2-7 and seven as well. What are we doing here? Right, one of those teams had to win. <laughs> I don't even know why the Raiders uh, are still playing games. Just take the Ravens and move on. I just on. wanted to check something. Josh Rosen was 9-20 of 20 on throwing the ball. Okay, just wanted to double check that. 9-20. of 20. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, if he was in the Jared Goff Rams offense, he'd probably been seventeen or twenty and have a better game than Goff. No, he'd no, he, no, he'd be Sean Mannion. That's what he'd be. Uh, I'm gonna no, I can't pick the Raiders. I don't, I don't want to lay ten and a half points with the Ravens, but I can't pick the Raiders. 
Lamar Jackson was opening his career as a 6.5 point favorite and a 10 point favorite or whatever it was. That's pretty impressive. That's really impressive. Uh, New England Patriots at the New York Jets. Patriots are nine and a half point favorites on the road. Yeah, I'm taking the Patriots. Like I know Darnold's been hurt, but even when he's played, he's turned the ball over too much and he's been a bit of a mess. The Patriots, like, I don't think this Patriots team is all that good and we've seen that they haven't been all that good, but they should beat the Jets. Yeah, they should kill the Jets. Uh, New York football giants at the Philadelphia football Eagles. Eagles are six and a half point favorites. This is the weird thing about the football season. Like, a month ago, no one would have even considered the Giants in this matchup. But right now, it kind of feels like, aren't the Giants a better team? Like, I, well, even if they're not, like, I kind of feel like that's a lot of points. Which is stupid, yeah. because this Giants team is not good. But, like, Odell Beckham yeah. gets to go against a guy who's, like, who's played as much football, who's probably been playing football for, like, three weeks. Like, you that's know what I mean? True. And Sterling Shepard is there, too, and Evan Engram is there, too, and Eli Manning played actually really well last week. So, it's quite possible that they kind of win this game and win this game comfortably so I'm actually going to take the Giants and also I, we can probably cross this off in the mailbag part I got asked for one of the mailbag questions if uh, Carson Wentz is just Andy Dalton and yeah oh boy Philadelphia's not going to like that hi Philly I'm taking Philly and I'm going to lay the points but I don't feel good about it I don't even know why I'm doing it I don't believe this pick I'm just going to do it Odell's going for 200 yards San Francisco 49ers at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers are three and a half point favorites. Uh, What's the point of this game? That's a great question. Next game. Uh, Seahawks at Panthers. Panthers, three and a half point favorites. Oh, man. This Panthers. Like, I, I need to watch that game back from the weekend, but it felt like they opened fine. They scored. And then it just kind of ran aground and it just didn't work out. Seahawks got that extra time because they played Thursday last week. But they're also playing on the road, and I also don't really think they're that good. And even though they, that, I think the Packers' win was their best win of the season, but they needed to win a very close game on, on, uh, as a home team on a Thursday night, which is kind of rare. Home teams this weird year have just been dominating on Thursday night. So I'm going to go with the Panthers, but I'm a little less confident in them than I've been lately because they've dropped off in their performances, simply. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go Panthers, but I do think it's a very close game. If it's decided by a field goal, it would not, not shock me. Uh... Cardinals at the Chargers. Chargers, 12.5 point favorites. Fuck out of here, Cardinals. Uh, Steelers at the Broncos. Steelers, 3.5 point favorites on the road. I'm taking the Broncos. The Steelers don't travel well. Like They, they won that game against the Jaguars, but barely. They shouldn't have. They like Blake Bortles helped a lot in case Keenum is a little bit better than Blake Bortles. And Von Miller will be able to get pressure on Ottisberger and force him into mistakes. So I'm going to go with the Broncos. I hear everything you're saying. I'm not going to pick Case Keenum. I'm picking Von Miller. I'm not picking Case Keenum. <laughs> Miami Dolphins. Oh man, remember you were all about the Dolphins too. Miami Dolphins. Oh, wait, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And the Colts are nine and a half point favorites. I was all about the Miami Dolphins when it wasn't Brock Osweiler starting. Let's be real here. And when they had other guys, Albert Wilson's out. Josh Sitton's gone from early in the year. Come on, man. Here's what I know. Not much. You said the you said the Dolphins were going to the playoffs. They were. They weren't scheduled, dude. They started three and zero. Uh, I'm okay. going to take the Colts uh, so, just because the Colts are going to be cool. able to isolate the linebackers for the Dolphins. And Tannehill looks like he's going to play this week, but we have no idea. And he's coming off injury, so you don't know how good he's going to be. Uh, that's just too many points. I'm going to go with the Dolphins. Nine and a half. Actually, yeah, I'm going to take the Dolphins. Nine and a half is a lot. The, yeah. the concern, like, my only real concern is that like Tannehill is coming off an ACL tear, obviously. 
and now you've got a shoulder injury as well. Like, what two worst injuries could you have as a quarterback? Uh, decapitation. At least it wasn't a concussion joke, guys. I can't ask for much more than that. <laughs> Sunday night, Green Bay Packers at the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are three and a half point <sighs> favorites at home. Kirk Cousins again. Um, the Packers are. I'm gonna go. I'm, go, I'm going Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, same. Uh, and then Monday Night Football. What the Ooh. hell was that? Did you just like punch your microphone? No, I put my I put my foot on the coffee table. Coffee table. Must have a fancy new apartment. I've had this coffee table since the old fancy apartment. <laughs> Is it weird to have a coffee table? It's just I don't. Yeah, like, I just I don't picture you as a coffee I, table guy. I, I don't have a, I, like if I you if you told me you have a dining room. I have a dining room table, but no dining room chairs. I haven't bought chairs yet. I've <laughs> had this table for like four months. I, that's who I picture. Right now. That that sounds about right. Like I can't imagine you having like a tea party. Like chairs are room. chairs are expensive for no reason. No reason. I'm not going to sit in these things. I got the table to put shit on for now. I'm eventually going to get chairs, but I'm not spending like $80 per chair when I'm barely going to be over there. I mean, I'm not arguing it, but I just like the idea of you saying coffee table. That's not you. The idea of you saying I've got a dining table with no chairs. Yeah, that sounds about right. You should buy beanbags and cut the table legs in half. The, the table, the table was really expensive and I got it for free. You probably shouldn't talk about ceiling things in public. Tennessee Titans, Monday night at the Houston Texans. Texans, six and a half point favorites. Do we know if Marcus Mariota is playing? Um, I know they got positive results, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be playing. But I think it's probably a Texans win regardless. That Titans team is just a bit of a mess. Six and a half points, though? Well, actually, look, here, it's difficult to take much away from that Titans game or that Colts game. One, Mariota obviously got hurt. But Dean Pease also was sick at the start of the game and went to hospital. So you're losing your defensive coordinator and the guy who's called, calls plays for you and the guy who makes adjust, yeah. most of your adjustments. Like That's a lot. So like that's probably part of the reason they got cut apart by the Colts. And against the Sean Watson, against the Titan, the Texans' offense, that's kind of something, something else we're probably going to get to in the mailbag. But that's something where you kind of don't know what you're getting from that offense. It's a big playoff-reliant offense. So sometimes they cut you apart and sometimes they struggle. So the Titans... Six and a half, probably. I'll probably take the Titans with the six and a half, but I think the Texans win the game. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna take the Texans for now, just to, until I find out if Mariota's gonna play. Until you and do your research, if he's, if he's going to play, we do my research. If he's gonna play, then I'll probably take the points. Listen up. You're going to get the best. (laughs) Readers, read up. Listeners, listen up. You want to be readers that read up. Go to theathletic.com slash interceptable. And what you're going to get is $2.99 a month when you subscribe for the year for a product that would normally be $10 a month if you just went month to month. And here's what you're going to get. Jay Glazer. All the other incredible NFL analysis. You're going to get the best NFL stories, the best NFL analysis. You're going to get it without pop-up ads. You're going to get it without autoplay videos. None of that crap that floods all these other websites. You just get the actual work you're coming for. It's none of that BS. It's none of that stuff where like you get all these like fluff articles, all this stuff that, oh, I need to scratch the back of this agent or this coach, so I'm going to write this thing about this executive, any of that. You're not getting that. You're getting actual stories, actual analysis every game. So go 
to theathletic.com slash interceptable. Subscribe, $2.99 a month for the year. Can't get a better deal than that. What about any other podcasts on this Count of Dings network? Oh, my God, Kian. I'm so glad you asked that because there are other podcasts on the Count the Dings network. We've got the Daily Ding, which is your nightly NBA recap pod. So maybe you don't want to pay attention to the, everything going on in the NBA every single night. Maybe you're just a casual NBA fan as you're waiting for your fix of NFL coverage on Sunday and Monday, right? So here's what you do. You go to the Daily Ding. You get a 20-minute recap pod in your podcast feed every single morning. You can go to BOMM. You get to listen to black culture. You can learn about black culture, other cultures. It's the best. We got Woke Bros on there. That has its own feed. So search BOMM on every podcast platform that you can subscribe to. And then what else do we have? Back-to-back podcasts. We have Ethan Sherwood's House of Strauss podcast. We got it all for you. So go to CountTheDings.com. Go to CountTheDings on Twitter. Follow Jade Hoy on Twitter and check out everything. And go to our Patreon, Patreon.com slash CountTheDings. You get extra bonus content. Let's get to the mailbags. Eamon D88. That's probably. Eamon. Eamon. What is it? Eamon. <laughs> oh my god, I was way off. Oh my god. Hold on, is that not a name did, in America? I, fuck no, it's not a name in America. Yes, it is, because there was a Eamon had that fuck you right back song with Frankie. What? Do you not. You, you, you were related in the 90s. Do you not remember oh, you're that? probably like the early nineties, like some hardcore, some hardcore metal. No, it's like the no, worst. It's, it's like really, really bad R and B. So one, one, one person. It was like a breakup song. One of them wrote, uh, uh, "Fuck you, right back." Or no, no, the "Fuck you, right back" was a response, and I think the person was like, "Fuck you too," and it was like, <laughs> you, "You have to, you have to watch it." The listeners will know, but it's definitely not Eamon. Okay, Eamon D eight eight. Are you the person who I'm like, oh, get the tomato, and you're like, oh, it's tomato. You're no. such an idiot. No, because nobody in the world pronounces it even. Some people in the world pronounce things tomato and tomato. It's not a fucking name. It's not a real name. Get a real name, Eamon. All right, Zachariah. Calm down. It's Zachary. Eamon, D88. Is Zachariah Jewish? The ball is egg-shaped. Zachariah is Jewish. The ball is egg-shaped. Is there another food-shaped ball that you would like to see the game played with? My vote is banana, boomerang-style pass potential. I want a pineapple. You know how difficult that would be to catch? It would like, hurt your hands. You, you, really just, really you want them to close. play with an actual pineapple? Yes, pineapple, pineapple shape. It's got the sharp edges regardless. <laughs> All right. Okay. Good talk. Um, spaghetti squash? I guess that's kind of like a rugby ball, right? <laughs> oh, I thought you were, were going to say spaghetti. It <laughs> would be really weird. Yes. There's a bunch of spaghetti tied together. There's a bunch of spaghetti tied together. Throwing Oscar to Grouch around outside there. Lamar MF, or Lamar MF. What is up with you wearing names? Rains? That one I did on purpose, dickhead. God, <laughs> stick with a bit. God, how that one should not have been hard to pick up on. I don't Where know. do you rank the Rams among the league's top offensive lines? Um, I mean, they're right there at the top for me. Uh, yeah, they have to one, be the top two, because three, like, the Eagles have dropped off. The Cowboys are missing their starting center. The Vikings dropped off. 
the Bengals didn't live up to expectations. The Steelers, Steelers offensive line is probably the one that you would argue, but I think it's the, I think it's the Rams. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's gotta be the Rams. Um, it's Dylan time. Who has the worst team around them between Rogers, Luck, and Wilson? And Wilson. It's gotta be Rogers. Yeah, I'm gonna say Rogers is the worst. Luck after him, and then Wilson. Yeah, Wilson still has a solid receiver core. Uh, he's got, I think, good running backs. I like Mike Davis a lot. I like Mike Davis, Davis a lot coming out of college, and I was confused why he didn't make rosters earlier in his career. I think it was at the 49ers who turned him away. The other thing is, like, their offensive line, and I, I didn't think their offensive line was that bad last year. I think everyone blamed the offensive line just automatically, and then finally some statistic that ESPN made up that where pass blocking efficiency rate or whatever metric they use came out and then suddenly everyone was like oh yeah the offensive line is actually good it's like it's been good will you stop so their offensive line is pretty good their receivers are solid Doug Baldwin's been hurt this year he's coming back now he's going to be healthy that'll help them as well and defensively they've played better than you expect so I think they're better than like look Locke is a really good offensive line, but he's got like no wide receivers, basically. He's got T.Y. Hilton, who he has to throw open a lot of the time. He has Jack Doyle, who's a decent tight end, and Eric Ebron, who's just a monster in the end zone, but doesn't do much outside of that. So Locke hasn't really got much, and their, their defense, obviously, missing a lot of pieces. Rodgers, I think when you in, in consider coaching, it's a big part of that. Like The coaching there is just a nightmare. Uh, I'm assuming Mendez Mike wants to know, does... Eric Berry changed the Chiefs' fortune on defense. I didn't edit that. I just wanted to see if you would get it. But yes, the, the, that's who he's talking about. Eric Berry. Who the hell else would EB boot? Does Elton Brand change the Chiefs' fortunes on defense? Like, who else would I mean, EB be? Would he not? I mean, yeah, they, I guess they'd be worse. He's like 45 <laughs> years old, bad knees. And a GM, I believe, for these days. Uh, he wouldn't change his fortunes of the defense. They have too many issues all over the place for him to really come in. The, that's a weird situation, though, because he was expected to be like ready for week one. And since then, it's been, oh, he's a couple of days away, he's a couple of days away, he's a couple of days away. And we're 10 weeks into the season, and I don't think he's played a single snap. Big Rat 310. You seem high on Adam Gaze sometimes. Like when he criticized the O-line and defended Tannehill early in 2016, you seem to criticize him sometimes, like signing Cutler and Brock. Do you think at the end of the day he's a good coach who's not worth firing? I just wanted to put all of that in there. I could have just put the last sentence in and said I just want to put it all in just to make it real. (laughs) I don't think he's worth firing. I think he's he's fine to keep on. But I also just – am I wrong? I need to ask you. Am I wrong that I get kind of perturbed by the phrasing of this question as if it's like – I'm on the gay wagon or off the gay wagon where I just criticize and praise him in different instances. Is that just not normal? That's that's my confusion. Is like I'm a huge I can be a huge fan of someone and still be critical, negatively critical of their work, right? And you can not be a fan of someone and be like, you know what, they did that guy did that something something good, right? He he did this well. Like yeah, I don't think you have to be all in or all out on anything. Except for Nazis. We're all in on Nazis. Wait, what? Yeah, whoa! whoa Dag Sharp. How many fingers am I holding up? Just two middle fingers, buddy. Uh, phrasing 101. Would you rather see Rodgers and Odell or Rodgers and Shanahan? Ooh, I actually, that's a fascinating question. I would want to see Rodgers and Shanahan. I love this question, and the reason I love this question is, for fun, 
for highlight plays for like if you just want to sit down and watch a game I want to see Rodgers and Odell like that would be crazy and he, Odell would have like a 350 yard game at some point Rodgers would have like a 550 yard game at some point but for like quality of play for building a better team for getting the most out of Rodgers oh, it's got to be Shanahan it's, and that's not really a knock on Odell or anything it's it's just that the scheme has such a bigger impact on a quarterback than an individual wide receiver does you put Shanahan's package plays in for Rodgers you put those uh, row combinations in for Rodgers. He's having an easy game over and over and over again, putting up huge numbers. All right, we've got Y-C-A-I-T-I-S-4. Would Josh McDaniels be a good replacement for McCarthy? That's pronounced Sean, Rodgers? by the way. That's pronounced Sean. What's pronounced Sean. The, the name that you miss that you couldn't pronounce that's from Sean that's the Irish way of spelling Sean um, Josh McDaniels be a good replacement for Mike McCarthy where the fuck does that ha- where the fuck does that spell Sean Y C A I T I S it doesn't I'm lying uh, Mike McCarthy obviously awful and Josh McDaniels is kind of the opposite of Mike McCarthy the only concern with Josh McDaniels is people seem to think he's an asshole uh, but in terms of his offense he's really diverse will change to the skill position players that he's got won't ask guys to do things they can't do and won't marry himself to specific play calls like slant flats that McCarthy loves to run over and over again he'd be a great fit with Rodgers because Rodgers can do everything what is it? there are these weird like um Yes, like this, this this one is spaces. particularly this one is particularly weird. It's C O N N O R. I don't know how you pronounce that name. No, dickhead. I'm saying with the way you've pasted this, like there are parts in this where parts parts of the letters are whited out. It's like you used white out on here. I'm telling you, I think your screen is broken. No, I'm scrolling it and it's the same all the way up. So that's it, why I have it right in front of me and it's perfectly fine. So you can go to hell. Okay. So Connor Wayne, would it be? Oh yeah, that clears it up. A, yeah, it's fine a for shot me. Of your phone. Yeah, that's what I'm just showing. Right. It's a fine shot, for me. Shot, it's your a shot computer. Of your phone. It's your computer. A it's blurry wrong. shot of your phone. Get moving on with this. in and out with Get the, on with with the this. screen. Would it have been a good investment for the Giants to pay Richburg and Pew when their contracts were up? Rickburg, I believe. Uh, it, <laughs> it would make sense for them to pay Weston Rickburg because he is a versatile center, athletic guy who can get out and move, which is a perfect fit for Shermer. I was really confused if they let him go, but the 49ers got the benefit of that because he's also a perfect fit for Shannon. Pew is just not good. I would not have paid him. Even Do you though not understand what I'm doing with this shit after the Amon thing? Like, <laughs> Do you just not get it? Did I have to go Richburg and Pug? Would that like is that the club across the side of your head that you needed to get the bit? Oh, are we doing a bit? For what reason? I don't know. Motherfucker, are you kidding me? Uh, we have another question to ask. I, I feel like Aaron Rodgers. My talents are being wasted right now. <laughs> I'm Mike McCarthying you. <laughs> yes, you're Mike McCarthy. That's a new version of McCarthyism. J-Mall 4, I'm seeing a lot of comparisons between the 2017 Jags and the 2018 Bears. Hey, Ian, are they apt? 
Um, to a degree, I think they are. I think Trubisky is obviously a better quarterback than Bortles, but he has been so inconsistent that it's a kind of a fair thing to be concerned about, and he's as likely to turn up in a game and throw three interceptions and four interceptions and throw you out of it. So this, it's fair. This Bears defense is not as good as that Jaguars defense, though, right? Not saying that Bears defense isn't good, but that Jaguars defense was pretty incredible. It was, but it's also, I think this Bears defense is more versatile than Jag- that Jaguars defense was, which is important That's for matching fair. up to different offenses in the playoffs. The Jags overwhelmed like a lot of teams last year. But then, actually, that's not really fair either, though, because they did, in the playoffs, they were versatile enough to deal with everyone who came in front of them, too. So, like, the reason, the only reason the Jaguars lost last year was the quarterback. So, maybe that's why it's not fair, because Trubisky, for all of his flaws, he can go out there and win you a game. And for all of his flaws, when you get, with 45 seconds left at the, end of the, at the end of the half, you don't need to kneel the clock out. You can actually go and play and try and get a field goal and get a touchdown. So, it's fair to a degree, but having such a difference at quarterback is a big thing, so... I don't necessarily think the Bears are going to win the Super Bowl this year. I think other teams are significantly better than them. But Trubisky has the potential to get hot for a four-game streak. I don't think Bortz has ever had that. Uh, I love this question. Nick the Bee's Knees, what's your second favorite bird? Please don't tell me your first. Easy, Canary. It's not even close. Canary? Canary is obviously the second favorite bird. Yeah, this needs oh an explanation. Like, unless, you unless you're going down a mine. Coal mine. Coal mine. Coal mine. Exactly. What? How? I'm trying you to... look like a guy who's been down a coal mine before. You were One, a gold miner, not a, I've... not a coal miner. One, never been a coal mine. Two, <laughs> I appreciate birds that have actual skills. So, should we have a coal mine that needs a canary to get out of it? I know the canary can get in and out of that motherfucker. I want a peregrine falcon so he can eat your canary. What's your, what's your, sec, what's your second favorite bird? Answer that, the question. That, that was my answer. You're speaking over me like an asshole. I want a peregrine falcon so he can eat your canary. Your falcon would not listen to you. <laughs> Did I tell you? Uh, Wait, I saw, I hold saw on. A Do you have a trained bird? canary? <laughs> Absolutely. Also, can, can we agree? I taught my dog how to not piss in the apartment and how to high-five me on command. I can teach a canary. Can we, can we agree that parrots are terrible? Oh, parrots are awful. Most birds are awful. Most things that can speak are awful, including humans. Two of them on this podcast. Absolutely. Think you had a story um, coming gonna, there. I was going to ask you a question. and then you, Oh, I once, I once saw a hawk murder a pigeon on my balcony this pigeon came flying into the glass door and i was like what an idiot that pigeon and then and then it didn't see it fly away or anything and so i like kind of got up and peeked around the corner on the balcony and, and there is a hawk out there just murdering this pigeon a hawk is just murdering it, just pulling this thing apart there's blood all over my balcony pigeon blood everywhere did I clean it up? No, I asked the maintenance guy to do it. So I'm not touching pigeon blood. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there is further proof of people who talk are just assholes. So, uh, Jai Dubs 94 why are Deshaun Watson's weekly performances all over the place? Is it just luck, decision-making, or inaccuracy? That's J. You have to pronounce that as J-Dubs 94. What are you on about? You uh, asshole! <laughs> I know what it is! <laughs> Um, I mentioned it earlier. It's a it's a big play reliant offense. Watson is 
<laughs> he's giving up. He's looking at his phone. Uh, <laughs> it's a big player line offense, and Watson was actually one of the least accurate quarterbacks in the league as a rookie, and it's been pretty much similar this year. He can make some spectacular throws, but the consistency isn't there, snap to snap. So that's a combination of that. Your hope is that he develops over time, but with Bill O'Brien as, as his quarterback, that's something you would generally bet against. Do you want to finish this pod, or do you just want to stay on your phone and get mad at me before ruining your bits? Uh, you ruining my bits or me talking to a lady? Uh, yeah, I can talk to a lady. <laughs> Who's asking for help on puns? <laughs> um, I have no comment. What are we doing? Ending the pod? Probably. We should finish it at this point. Your connection is terrible for me, so I've missed half of what you're saying. Yeah, you don't listen to me anyways. What does it matter?